It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. They want to require Congress to vote on the future of Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid every five years to decide whether they continue. No, no, every five years, they get to vote to change, to cut, to reduce, or entirely eliminate Social Security and other things. How does that make us feel? Knowing you guys. And then along, you know, remember that song, Along Comes Joan? And then along comes Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. He, he's arguing that five years is too long to wait to savage these programs people depend on. He wants to put Social Security and Medicare literally in a chopping block every single year, treat it like any other appropriation. Let me remind you, you paid for your Social Security and Medicare. Taken out of your paycheck from the time you're 18 years old. The same guy who said... He's the same guy who said if Republicans get control of Congress, they're coming after the Affordable Care Act again. Denying health insurance to anyone with a pre-existing condition. That's the only reason they have, they're able to get it. Only reason they get, if they have a pre-existing condition, the only way they can get insurance is because of the Affordable Care Act. That's not a joke. This guy never stops. But guess what? I ain't stopping either. That's a quintessential Joe Biden. That's not senile Joe Biden. I think he's not nearly as innocent as people like to think. Uh, He's been a wicked person for a long time. I've watched him for decades, and we could play, if we had the time, uh, his claims that he was a civil, he was involved in the civil rights movement, and I will play for that, that for you later, the fact that that's an absolute lie. He never did anything, and yet through the years he's lied about that. But, and he always says, uh, and that's the truth, or I'm not kidding, you know he's lying. But that's, President Joe Biden in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, on Monday on Labor Day making a speech. There's a huge Senate race going on in Milwaukee. And as a matter of fact, uh, Senator Ron Johnson is being challenged by Mandela Barnes, who's the lieutenant governor. And a Marquette University Law School poll just came out yesterday, and it showed that among uh, likely voters, 51% of those plan to vote for John, uh, Barnes and 46, 44% plan to vote for Johnson. And uh, so I've asked uh, Senator Ron Johnson to join us this morning so we can talk about that race and all the other things that are flooding our inboxes and filling our television and our email, uh, all of the other concerns that we are, uh, that keep us awake at night here in this country. And so with that, Senator Johnson, thank you for joining us. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on, Sandy. You know, let me ask you about this poll. Because uh, it doesn't say anything about the sample. Are you? Do you? Have you had a chance to even look at this? This just came in this morning in my box. No, this is this is news to me. I, I pretty well discount the Marquette poll. I think last last year the previous poll had me down like eleven points at at a similar time. This was the the August poll. 
Uh, I end up winning by 3.4 percent. You know, listen, these races in Wisconsin are just dead even races. They're they're going to be decided by races within margins. That's just the way Wisconsin is. But uh, you know what? What Democrats are doing right now is doing what Democrats always do. They engage in diversionary tactics. They can't they can't defend the disastrous results of their policy and their governance. The open borders, the 40 year high inflation, record gas prices, rising crime. You know, baby formula shortages. So they lie, they distort. They assassinate people's characters. Uh, you know, they engage the politics of personal destruction. But not, let's just cover the Social Security thing to see how absurd it is on its face. I mean, Sandy, do you know of any elected official that has ever said, well, I want to end or I want to cut Social Security? No. I mean, wh- why would I be saying that? No, I want to save Social Security. What I'm trying to do is point out that it's not on a sustainable course. The trust fund runs out in 2035 on Social Security. A Medicare trust fund runs out in 2028. And the greatest threat to any government benefit program is the massive deficit spending we are currently engaging in, our growing debt, $30.8 trillion. Uh, you know, if we just return to an, interest, an average interest rate that we had three, the three decades prior to the end of the last century, 5.4%, which is you know, pretty much average mortgage rates right now, pretty a normalized interest rate. Right now we're borrowing at 1.4. We're keeping artificially low to accommodate all those deficit spending. But if global creditors say, you know, you're a credit risk, we'll loan you money, but not at this rate. If we return to that 5.4% rate, that's a four percentage point increase. That costs us $1.2 trillion per year. Again, I know I'm throwing numbers at you, but it's important to actually look at numbers because guys like Joe Biden don't. Yeah, absolutely. Prior Prior to COVID, we were spending about $4.5 trillion per year. During COVID, we, we kicked that up for two years, over $6 trillion. This year, we'll be just short of $6 trillion. So we've just taken a step function of a $1.5 trillion, and this is when we were experiencing close to trillion-dollar deficits anyway. So this is completely unsustainable. Uh, you know, the number one component to a solution for any problem facing the federal government is economic growth. Well, Democrat policies have just re- reduced it or just produced a recession, two quarters of negative growth. Our economy shrank. Uh, 8.5% inflation, who do you think that's hurting? It's hurting all of us. Mm-hmm. It's crushing seniors on a fixed income, the people that are relying on Social Security. So, again, I, I, I'm out there. I've actually got the courage to tell people the truth, to warn folks that we're on an unsustainable path we better start prioritizing spending. We ought to quit spending money like the $369 billion are going to be wasting on the green energy boondoggles. But, no, it's, it's, it's galling. But I tell you what, um, a lot of people buy it. They, they buy the lies. Uh, they buy the distortions. Uh, they, they believe the character assassination. So yeah. uh, it's, it's a sorry state of affairs in our politics. But it's the reason it, it's allowed is because we have a – media that is on their side yes. we don't have an unbiased media holding both sides accountable calling out the lies of whoever might tell them so in my race it really is truth versus lies and distortion i'm working my tail off to try and hope uh, that the truth prevails but it's it's probably going to be a close call it's pretty depressing well it's I, I know well that's why i want to talk to you and i let me just repeat for you on Social Security, this is kind of the Sophie's choice for conservatives because the truth is uh, everybody is going to lose Social Security if we don't – that's what Senator Johnson is saying. It's going to be gone 
Medicare is going to be gone. Social Security will be gone because for decades, the Congress has borrowed from that trust fund and it's running out of money. That's what he just talked about. So if you dare to speak the truth about that and that you're trying to save it, uh, then the, the left jumps in and accuse you, accuses you of trying to get to do away with it. And that's why Republicans seldom speak of this. They don't have the courage that you have, Senator Johnson. And I just want to point that out. We are going to, it's going to be gone. And that applies to all of you seniors listening to me. Uh, it's not well, something magic. Money does not grow on trees. And we're going to run out of it. It's going to end because of the out-of-control spending. Your response, well, Senator. Yeah, let me correct that. It's not going to be gone. What happens when the trust fund runs out, and by the way, you know, this is a pay-as-you-go system. Your money was never invested for you, not in a real asset the federal government. The U.S. government bond hand, in the hands of the federal government is not worth anything, okay? They just, they just have to borrow more money when they call up on those bonds. But what happens when the trust fund, fund is depleted is benefits are going to be reduced to the amount of revenue coming in. It'll still be a pay-as-you-go system, but... You know, right now, benefits will be exceeding the revenue because, you know, when we started Social Security, it's different figures, but 64 workers every one or 32 to one, you know, that, that was a pay-as-you-go as system that works. But now we're down to about three to one, rapidly shifting to two to one workers for every retiree. I mean, those workers just aren't paying enough in the system to pay for the benefits. So Social Security doesn't go away. The benefits would just get reduced to the revenue generated through the payroll tax. And the question is, will we have enough revenue in the general fund to plus up those benefits to the ones that have been promised? I mean, that's what's at risk. So when I hear young people say, I don't expect getting Social Security, well, that's not true. You just probably, you may okay. not get it at the, at the level. And again, what puts at risk the ability to plus those benefits up is the fact that we're engaging in all this deficit spending now. We're mortgaging our kids' future. And, you know, I don't, I don't know whether the debt bomb goes off uh, this year, next year, 10 years from now. But I, I would say it's, it's certainly somewhat going off when you have 8.5% inflation. Again, a dollar you held at the start of the Biden administration is worth 88.3 cents. That is crushing seniors. That, in other words, if you have $100,000 in your retirement fund at the start of the Biden administration, now it's only worth 88300 bucks. Yeah. Well, uh, of you course. You don't think you... that hurts seniors? <laughs> Well, of course it does. The whole thing is hurting seniors. And, you know, isn't it interesting? It, as, as you're talking, I'm just thinking, we could spend this much time on probably 25 issues, all of which are destroying this country. I, and you could go into great depth. So it's, it's just hard. You do, I feel this as a talk show host. I, don't, I, know, I can't never figure out what I should be talking about because there's so much. And this is what you have to face. And when you start talking about Social Security, you're on shaky ground, and that's why he hits you on that, because people don't. Uh, don't want to hear uh, what the truth is on this. They'd rather be in denial. And that's why democracy, pure democracy, doesn't work because you you just pay people to, to, to vote for you. And that's what the left is doing. Well, let's move on to something else because I, I'm curious to know just in general, are you running, would you say that you're running on a platform? You know, there's this huge dispute uh, about mm, uh, Mitch McConnell not wanting anyone to spe- stand for anything. You're just supposed to talk about what Biden is doing and there's plenty to talk about with that. But I wonder what your view is of that. Are you running on, are there issues in particular that you're running on? Well, yeah, obviously, I think this campaign is about the disaster that is de- Democratic governance. I call it the list of horribles. So obviously, we have to talk about that. But no, you know, I'm, I'm talk, talking about what is the solution? Well, it's economic growth. Uh, we know how to grow the economy. Democrats don't, but we do. 
You have to have a competitive, I'd like to see a simpler, more rational tax system, a reasonable regulatory environment. We should be energy independent. We were, but not with the war on fossil fuels. We have to secure our border so we can establish a legal immigration system. So, again, I'm trying to say what, what the solutions are. But, uh, you know, b- bottom line, this campaign is mainly truth versus lies and distortions. I- I'm just telling people the truth. Mm-hmm. I'm running on the truth. Well, and, uh, again, I'm hoping and praying truth can prevail, but there's no guarantee of that whatsoever. No, I know that. I, especially in an election, it's, they're just not, they're often not fair. More often than not, they're not fair. It's just amazing. I've been in this for a long time, and so have you. Uh, let me just say that you, of course, have such a great record. Uh, your own record is what you can stand on, and I, uh, you're the only senator, well, yes, you've been the most vocal, you've been the champion, really, to, to fight against election integrity, uh, to fa- in favor of election t- integrity, and also on what happened on J6. Just a v- tremendous courage on that. I, I'm just wondering if uh, if you ever worry, Senator, that the Justice Department will find some reason to indict you or come after your business because they hate what you've been doing. Well, first of all, I, I'm no longer invested in my business. What What I did is a U.S. Senator, when I first got elected, I sold all my marketable securities. I turned them into cash. I don't know any other member of Congress who did that. So I've been sitting on cash. You know, my, my wealth did increase because I sold my business and went from book value to market value. So I have absolutely no conflict of interest. There's nothing they can come after me for. I mean, I am the proverbial choir boy, the boy scout. <laughs> you know, Thank I'm, God I'm for guy, that. You know, <laughs> you know if, if you laid out, you know, who do you want serving in Congress? Well, you want somebody who led a full life. Engage in the private sector would be even great if, uh, you know, maybe in manufacturing, well, 30 years of manufacturing. I'm an accountant. I understand numbers. You know, I've done, I've got some great accomplishments. I'm the guy that during Republican tax reform said, you guys, you know, you're only cutting taxes for the C-Corps, 5% American businesses. I'm not going to vote for this until you make sure that 95% American businesses can compete. They got to get a tax cut, too. So I'm the guy that held up. And so 95% American businesses got a tax cut. Now, that's been twisted in, in uh, you know, attacks on me that I cut out a special deal for myself and a couple of donors. No, t- more than 20 million tax filers. Now, the media knows all this. They just don't report it. You know, if, if, if it, the tides were turned, they'd have a politifact, you know, mostly false, That's or totally false, basically. But uh, they don't do that. They, they don't call the Democrats on their lines. They are part and parcel of the Democrat Party. They're the communication wing of the Democrat Party. So when you say these elections aren't fair, no kidding. I mean, it's not even close to a level playing field. I'm up against mm-hmm. Democrats who have no problem lying, I mean, you know, and justifies the means, and a press that carries their water for them, yeah. that basically writes the headlines in a distorted way that they can use in their false attack ads. But you know what but you no, have? It's, it's, you know what you have? I, I have, I've told you this before, I because I know Wisconsin well because I'm a Chicagoan. Uh, you and because my husband was his roots are in Wisconsin. The people of Wisconsin are smart and solid, and they fight hard. So that's why the vote's always divided. You've got uh, people on the take uh, on the left, and then you've got people who work hard and are smart, and they get behind. They get ahead of headlines. They don't pay attention, and so that's the battle and the tension in Wisconsin. I have people all over the country, Senator, who want to support you. Uh, they've contacted me. They say I- I've tried to give. I don't know where to give. I don't know what to do. What can people, uh, people in Wisconsin know what to do? People from other states, if they wanted to help you, how could they do that? Log on to my website, ronjohnsonforsenate.com. I think we keep it, make it pretty easy to donate, but I'm going to need it. They, they spent well over $50 million smearing me, lying about me, assessing my character. And 
you know, they've got the press backing him up, and that's priceless. I mean, that level of support from the media is priceless to Democrats, and that's what I'm up against. So I need financial support at Ron Johnson for Senate.gov, and I'd truly appreciate it. Is it .gov or .gov or .com? .com. .com. Okay. Um, all right. I just want to ask just a final question here. You know, Biden gave that, that's been a week since he gave that horrendous speech, the unity speech. And um, people have commented on it all over the place, but I would really love to know what your thoughts are about that speech and the implications of it. Well, the most divisive speech I've ever heard an American president give. You know, basically calling half of the Americans potentially domestic terrorists, enemies of the state. Um, th- this is, comes from the president who I was on the platform when he gave his inaugural address. He took his oath of office. He said eight times that his number one goal is to unify and heal his nation. He's done the exact opposite. Sammy, let's be honest. It's the left that's dividing this nation. It always has been the left. We on the right, we'd like to see it unified. We'd like to see it healed. That's kind of my appeal to Wisconsinites. If you love this country, I think you do. Your leaders don't. They want to fundamentally transform it, but I think you do. And if you're concerned about the direction, 75 to 80% Americans say we're on the wrong track, join us. Join us in healing, unifying, and saving this nation. That's what we need to do. So that's, yes. again, that's, that, that's, that's my campaign. I'm, I'm just going to tell people the truth relentlessly. Uh, truth sometimes they don't want to hear, but you know, wh- wh- why would I, why would I want to serve if you can't tackle these big problems? If, you know, you know, <laughs> I'm not interested in the title. I'm actually interested in trying to save this country. You know, there's a lot of, uh, I don't need to tell you, there are a lot of Senate seats open. There's a lot of discussion and there's a lot of dissension. Mitch McConnell has declared it, you know, we probably won't take the Senate because we don't have qualified candidates. And I don't even, I'm not even going to ask you about that. But what I am going to ask you is if the Republicans take the Senate and if they should prevail, what can the American people expect out of that? What can they expect the Republicans to do? Well, I can tell you what I can push for. First of all, we have to stop as much as we can Joe Biden's destructive agenda. But then I'd like to return some functionality to the Senate. Let's pass a budget in February. I have to increase the destiny, but use it the way it's meant to be used. So attached to it fiscal controls, things like preventing government shutdown acts, full faith and credit, the RAINS Act, reducing the size of the federal government through attrition act. Okay, these, those are four things I'd want attached to the debt ceiling. Let's start bringing appropriation bills up in April. You'll do it based on order of priority, you know, defense appropriation, then Veterans Affairs, then HHS, you know, and go through the process. We don't even bring up an appropriation bill prior to the start of the next fiscal year. Hasn't, haven't done it this year, so that's why we're going to have a CR debate. You know, we're going to have a governance shutdown, you know, hanging over our head if they don't pass the CR. Uh, the dysfunction here, Sandy, especially for some guy like myself from the private sector that has been part of functioning organizations, the dysfunction here is profound, Yes. And but people are used to it. You know, so so many yeah. so many people serving here never had any experience in, which means knowledge of or sympathy for the private sector, but even maybe worse, they've never even been in a functioning organization. So and, they, they accept it. I just don't accept it. You know, I don't yes. sit still. I'm I'm gonna be very outspoken about restoring function to the United States Senate. I would also argue that a lot of them never get out of DC. They just go home, whatever home is. Uh, for a day or two to their, you know, country home set apart from the people. And you're you're with the people, and you keep your sanity. And I think that's important to, to every uh, congressman. And they don't do that. D.C. has just this poison, and it overtakes, it seems, almost everyone. If you want to help Senator Ron Johnson, it's ronjohnsonforsenate.com. That's ronjohnsonforsenate.com. Senator Johnson, always a pleasure, and we'll talk to you hopefully again before November. Thanks for joining us. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
in a world where no one can tell us no. To this day, every human being born on this planet is the product of a male and a female. That's the way God set it up. God created us in his image. A place where Facebook and YouTube have no control. I think the command in scripture relative to men and women is not mainly women sit down, but men stand up, act like men, lead as you're supposed to. A place where we can no longer be canceled. When the scripture speaks, God speaks. And if you understand that rightly, then everything else simply falls into place. The American Family Association presents the AFA streaming platform. Just visit streaming.afa.net for the latest films, documentaries, and AFA original productions. You'll even find videos from some of your favorite talk shows. All you have to do is create a free account at streaming.afa.net. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Javier Becerra, Secretary of Health and Human Services. He serves as the principal advisor to the President of the United States on all health matters. Proverbs 11.14 reminds us of the importance of trusted advisors. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Javier Becerra as he advises the President. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. And we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make a switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. Tucker Carlson asked an interesting question on Fox News the other day. Why would anyone move to Memphis, Tennessee? Well, it's a question many people asked me when I packed up my home in Brooklyn and moved back to the place of my birth. I love Memphis. Graceland, Beale Street, Central Barbecue, Bellevue Baptist Church, Shelby Farms. We don't have the glitz and glamour of Nashville. We're an old river town. Not much pretense in these parts. What you see is what you get. We're plain-spoken and kind-hearted. A neighbor's in need. Somebody shows up with a mess of fried chicken and biscuits. It's what we do, Southern hospitality. But our city's been decimated by the Democrats. We've been under their control for decades. They own what has happened here in recent days just like they own what has happened in San Francisco and Los Angeles and New York City. And God forbid it happens in your town. We've got to do something, America. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. I did not march for the 12-point program. I marched with tens of thousands of others to change attitudes, and we changed attitudes. 
you lie to voters, according to the New York Times, uh, quoting aides of, of Biden's, about having marched in the civil rights movement. I got involved in the civil rights movement. I got involved in desegregated movie theaters. They organized voter registration drives. From the time I got involved as a high school kid in the civil rights movement. But I was a kid involved in the civil rights movement, desegregating restaurants and movie theaters in my state. From the time I got involved as a kid in the civil rights movement. Sit-ins and desegregating restaurants. And I got involved in the civil rights movement uh, just as a kid. And that's why I got so deeply involved in my community with the civil rights movement. When I sat in black churches on the east side of Wilmington getting ready to, and by the way, next to Jewish, two Jewish rabbis, uh, getting ready to go out and desegregate movie theaters in Delaware. I come out of the civil rights movement. I start off in the black churches and we'd go from there to desegregate movie theaters. For real, I got involved in the civil rights movement. From the time I've been 18 years old, I've been involved in causes from the civil rights movement. Got involved in the civil rights movement and desegregating restaurants, that kind of thing. Coming out of the civil rights movement and being involved with the Jewish community as a kid in the civil rights movement. I got involved in the civil rights movement. Getting ready to go out and desegregate restaurants and movie theaters. That's what got me involved in civil rights as a kid. I got very engaged, in my case, in the civil rights movement. Quote, more than once, advisors had gently reminded Mr. Biden of the problem with this formulation. He had not actually marched during the civil rights movement, and more than once, Mr. Biden assured them that he understood and kept telling the story anyway. That is really, really weird. Yeah, that's really, really weird, and yet that's what Joe Biden does. He's a liar. Uh, it, it, the, the old gentleman that you see in front of you is exactly, this is who he is. The mask is off. If there ever was a mask, he had a big smile. He can't seem to manage that smile quite as bit, uh, as much. Uh, but he is an incredible liar, and that's what he's been doing for for decades. In fact, in 1987, when he was running for president, he claimed uh, he was a civil rights activist. According to Biden, he knew what black people were thinking and feeling in the 60s since he worked at an all-black swimming pool in Delaware. Uh, but he never marched with black people. He never did that. In fact, in 2019, the New York Times published an article that suggested that Biden's campaign advisors told him, don't, don't say that. You never were a civil rights activist. But he still kept telling the story over and over again. And so he claimed the same thing on Monday uh, in Milwaukee. And, of course, the crowd cheered because, uh, you know, liars uh, will lie and people who don't want to know the truth will cheer. Uh, so that's what happened. Now, uh, President uh, Obama went back to the White House yesterday with Michelle. They uh, revealed their new portraits, presidential portraits. Um, and so they made their remarks. And I just want to play just a portion because I think this is actually, well, kind of, Interesting. This is President Obama with his opening remarks. Clip one. Someone once said that if you're looking for a friend in Washington, get a dog. But I was even luckier to have a chance to spend eight years working day and night with a man who became a true partner and a true friend. <laughs> so most people say if you want a friend, get a dog. But I got Biden. I mean, really, that is, and that is just like uh, Obama to be very cheeky. He is very cheeky. I don't know. I, he is a, you know, uh, yeah. He loves to take shots at people. So while he's trying, he's supposedly honoring him. He's taking a shot at him. I, some people, you know, said you should get a dog, but I got Joe Biden. All right. Well, to remind us about uh, President Obama and the mark he left on this country and on the world, I want to take you back to a campaign he spe speech he made way back when he was running for president. I remember this when, um, yeah, I was in Chicago at the time, 
Uh, this is clip one. Let's. This is vintage uh, Barack Obama. This is, yeah, clip seven. Sorry, clip seven. Can you get the American people to say this is really important and force their representatives to do the right thing? Uh, that requires mobilizing a, a citizenry. That requires them understanding what is at stake. Uh, you know, and, and climate change is a great example. You know, when I was asked earlier about uh, the issue of coal, uh, you know, under my plan uh, of a cap-and-trade system, electricity rates would necessarily skyrocket. Even, you know, regardless of what I say about whether coal is good or bad, because I'm capping greenhouse gases, coal-powered plants, you know, natural gas, you name whatever the plants were, whatever the industry was, they would have to uh, retrofit their operations. That will cost money. They will pass that money on to consumers. So just uh, mark my memory on this. He was very clear. I have to hand it to him. He was very honest about that back when he was running for president. Your energy bill will necessarily skyrocket. And I remember in another speech he said, you know, you'll have to keep your thermostat, you know, won't be able to be so comfortable. You may have to, you know, get hot in, in the summer and you might have to be cold in the winter. Uh, and that's what I'm promising with my my plan. That's what my plan calls for. And I guess people didn't believe it or they were so enamored because he was handsome. He was articulate. You know, what did uh, Joe Biden say? He was articulate and clean for a black man. Articulate and clean. I think we should have known then that Joe Biden wasn't necessarily, you know, wasn't exactly marching in the civil rights movement. Uh, but that that was the way he described his running mate, uh, uh, Barack Obama. So um, this is what President Obama promised us. And this is what we're getting. Let's go to California for a second. This is Gavin Newsom, you know, a suntanned, handsome, with his arms crossed, speaking to the people of California this week. Clip three. California and many other Western states are experiencing simply unprecedented temperatures. In fact, this heat wave is on track to be both the hottest and the longest on record for this state and many parts of the West for the month of September. Californians, you've stepped up to help in a big way to keep the lights on so far. But we're heading, we're heading to the worst part of this heat wave, and the risk for outages is real and it's immediate. These triple-digit temperatures throughout much of our state are, are leading, not surprisingly, to record demand on the energy grid. Everyone has to do their part to help step up for just a few more days. Individuals, the state, industries, business, all doing their part to help reduce strain on the grid. Now, here's specifically what you can do in the early morning hours, particularly tomorrow and the next day or so, pre-cool your home. Run your air conditioning earlier in the day when more power is available. And we encourage you to close your windows and blinds to keep your home cool as well. And today and tomorrow afternoon after 4 p.m., in particular 4 p.m., please turn your thermostat up to 78 degrees or higher and avoid to the extent possible using any really large appliances. You can visit flexalert.org to learn more about what you can do. Californians, you've rallied before, and we can do it again. We can do Keep it, it again. Up. You know, it reminds me of when Gavin Newsom said everyone had to stay home, had to wear masks, they couldn't go out to eat, and we saw photographs of him eating in these elegant restaurants with his friends without a mask. So I'm wondering, you know, when he left the podium, if he went home and turned his thermostat up to 78 and closed the windows and stayed inside 
I kind of think that he doesn't mean that that applies to him and his elite friends in California. And let me tell you what the people of California are facing here. Uh, The temperatures are expected to reach 125 degrees in Death Valley and 115 degrees in Sacramento. So people are being told to set their their thermostats at 78, higher if they can stand it, close their windows, uh, live like what, in caves? Um, So the warnings are coming after, you know, there was a continual heat wave over the holiday weekend, and utility providers ask electric car owners to refrain from charging their battery-powered vehicles. I think uh, Gavin Newsom asked them not to do that, too. And remember, they were urging people to buy electric cars. They've been bragging. You know, they're supposed to be the quintessential example to all of us of how to handle energy. At least our uh, Jennifer Granholm, the Secretary of Energy, is telling us that they are the model for all of us. And so people have been buying electric cars, and of course they cost what is, I'm just going to stab at this, I think it's like $60,000. Some cost more than that. So people are being encouraged, go to electric, go to electric. Now they're being told uh, during this uh, problem not to, don't charge your cars. Don't charge your cars, turn down your thermostat and, uh, you know, close your shades. And so I I just expect really, I expect a huge exodus out of California. Who can can live like that? And they don't need to live like that. It's not necessary. This is unnecessary. This is all because of their fabricated story about climate change, that somehow human beings using electricity and gas and, you know, gasoline-powered automobiles are hurting the climate. Uh, so it's, it's just a bizarre, and Barack Obama was the first person that really introduced this and started forcing it on us and shutting down coal power plants. Uh, in fact, California just passed, what was this, they, they just passed, um, I don't know if they passed a law, but they, I believe they did, where they will not say, oh, there we go. The California Air Resource Board has issued new regulations to ban gasoline-powered car sales by 2035. So that by 2035, people in California won't even have a choice. They'll have to have electric cars or ride bicycles. Have you been to California? Have any? Has anybody been there? It's a very big state. It's like 500 miles long, and there's a you just can't do without a car. Uh, so let's see. Wonder how this is going to work out. You know how it's going to work out. I've told you. They don't want you to have freedom. Uh, they want you to stay home and be controlled by them. They want you to move to urban centers uh, so that they can have closer uh, closer uh, contact and control of you. They don't want you out living somewhere in the hinterland. Um, and this is this is the pattern. You just have to understand this. I know that when I say these things, it sounds bizarre, but I promise you, this is exactly where they're headed. It's a very dark horrible strategy for the planet and it isn't just the united states it is the planet i'll show you that when i come back sandy rios in the morning afr talk men and women are different but why does it matter on the next focus on the family dan seaborn and his wife jane share their differences and dan encourages men not to let the differences annoy but rather find ways to enjoy their wives Next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Focus on the Family is heard each weekday morning at 5 o'clock Central on American Family Radio. 
Do you remember Alice Cooper's music? He was a wild-looking rock and roller addicted to cocaine, money, and fame. Today, he's different. He became a Christian late in life and tries to keep God at the forefront of everything. He gets out of bed, makes a cup of coffee, grabs his Bible, and then spends the next hour reading and praying. Since Jesus saved him from his sinful life, he gives people Bibles and tells them how Jesus changed his life. I'm Pastor John Miller. Visit me at churchontherock.org. When we heard it, our hearts melted, and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When Israel was poised to enter the promised land, Rahab, the Canaanite harlot, risked her very life to protect Yahweh's people. This woman, whose life was filled with immorality, with no knowledge of Yahweh's laws, Yet she risked her life for his people after only hearing of his exploits. How much more then should we give our lives for him? We have his word. We know his ways. Should we be any less committed? Rahab's conviction is provoking. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, watching your hard-earned dollars just flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option called MediShare 65+. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills And it really is a community. People encourage and pray for each other. And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B that fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. It's great for peace of mind. You can use your Medicare-approved doctor and get prescription savings, dental and vision savings. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're great to talk to on the phone. Here's the number. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. It's no longer debatable that energy policy involves more than the sources of electric power countries or American states utilize to keep their consumers warm, cool, fed, or employed. It's a matter of life and death. For example, soaring temperatures in California are poised to precipitate rolling blackouts, and that's before everyone there will depend on electricity for transportation. If heat prostration doesn't take its toll, power disruption of vital services will. Meanwhile, Europe will freeze this winter due to the knock-on effects of the war in Ukraine and reckless decisions by politicians to go green. We can no longer ignore the imperative of enhancing the resiliency of our electric grid and the reliability of our energy supplies. Those who pretend otherwise are on notice that if they persist in endangering both, they will be held responsible for the resulting carnage. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios back with you. Uh, Let me remind you that if you join Getter, G-E-T-T-R, 
Uh, you can get the email, uh, the, the, the articles. You can get, you can listen to the show. Of course, you can listen to the show in lots of other ways. But uh, it, this is the place where we post our articles. G E T T R. Uh, I just joined Truth show, Social last night, so we'll probably add that to our list too. We will add that to our list. It's just it's difficult, you know, because there's so many social media outlets. But anyway, I don't want to take our time talking about that. But I do appreciate hearing from you. You can write me always at sandy at afr.net. Uh, so many great comments this week, and I'm going to have to choose just maybe three here. Sandy at afr.net. I want to make this a priority. This is from Tommy. Tommy. A female Tommy. My name is Tommy. My husband and I listen to your show on AFR. I have a prayer request. My son, Ethan, joined the U.S. Navy and is in boot camp right now. He should be scheduled for graduation from boot camp in November. And as of right now, the Navy has a requirement of COVID-19 vaccine proof in order to be able to get on the base and to be able to get graduation tickets. I'm against getting the vaccine. I know it doesn't work. been proven it doesn't work. I simply just don't want to have to get it. But we're so very proud of our son for choosing to take this journey of serving in the U.S. military. It would be devastating for me not to be able to attend graduation because I don't have the COVID vaccine. I'm sending prayer requests to as many people that I can think of to ask if you would please pray that God will lift the restrictions of having this vaccine before graduation time or that God will make a way somehow that I will be able to attend graduation. I believe the God I serve is powerful and bigger than the U.S. Navy requirements of all vaccines. Of all of a vaccine, would you please pray in agreement with me that God will make a way to make to help me attend His graduation, uh, Tommy? This just make this breaks my heart, honestly, uh, for you. And I'm in the same situation because my kids are in Vancouver and my grandchildren. I haven't seen them. It'll be on, it's a year in November, and I can't go because of I, I can't because I have to take the vaccine. So I have the same uh, I have the same dilemma. Uh, and I and no one can tell you what to do. You know, you just. It, I think if you choose to take the risks, you're not asking me this, but if you t- choose to take the risks of taking the vaccine, then just know, you know, that's the price that you may pay for seeing him. And um, and um, you know that no no one can tell you what to do about that. No one can tell me either. I've chosen not to do that uh, because um, because of a number of reasons. And. Um, so I we will pray. I'm gonna encourage people to pray for her. Uh, God can do. There's nothing He can't do. You're right about that. And this is a terrible dilemma, and I can't solve it. I can't solve it. I'm trying, you know, on the radio. I'm trying to make this thing right, but I can't do that. I will pray for you. Let me do that now, Tommy. Oh, Lord, I just pray that you would be with Tommy in this turmoil, and with her son and her husband. Uh, the heart-wrenching truth of what's happening in our country is tearing us apart in so many different ways. The, the headlines I read this morning, the horrible things happening in school, the hospitals uh, displaying 13-year-old girls dressed, you know, trying to change their gender dressed as hookers. That's one story. Peppa Pig introducing uh, the kid thing for our kids uh, as, a, as a, a homosexual or transgender character. It it goes on and on and on, Lord, and we have our children, our children, in this case, Tommy's son. Our children are bearing the brunt of this, and we we feel helpless to protect them, Father. And so I just pray that you'd have mercy. Have mercy on us. I know that other generations before us have suffered the same thing in different ways. I think of all the Old Testament stories, the New Testament ones as well. People had to raise their kids and deal with this in a pagan culture, in a hostile culture, uh, during the in the midst of war, uh, violence, you know, it, it, this is a, not a new story to you, Father, uh, but you are our God, and we do trust you. 
and you've told us to ask, and so we ask for your help. And I ask for your help in Tommy's case that you would somehow make a way for them to enjoy this moment and celebrate with their son this great accomplishment. And greater than that, we ask that you would bring your mighty power against the people that are perpetrating this horrific thing against all of us. It's just so wicked. But then you know that, Father. Anything that strikes against the heart of life, we know how you feel about taking life. You've made that clear in Genesis about, you know, that shedding blood of other people, and that's what it is technically, is just such a crime to you. Uh, We don't have that right, and neither do the scientists in experiments or any other way. So, Father, have mercy. We pray that you would bring justice, that you would bring deliverance, not just to us that know you, but also to the world. Uh, We grieve for our neighbors who are clueless and who are suffering as well. And so we just pray, Father, we ask Jesus for your mercy on us and on this country as we navigate these difficult times. And uh, I ask that in the name, the precious name, the name of the all-powerful, the creator himself, the co-creator with you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so uh, this is from Stephen. This is just kind of a fun one. This is, uh, well, fun to me. Stephen is, um, Stephen, I would love to say your last name because I didn't know anybody really had this last name. I thought it was a made-up name from a, you know, mobster series on television. And so I'm going to say it, okay, can I? I never use last name. Stephen Soprano. He's from New Jersey. He listens every day. He said he's been listening for two years. Uh, I said, I'm usually a week behind. I listen to your podcast. Um, but I enjoy what you have to say. The app is amazing. Because I live in New Jersey, there are no regular stations here. Uh, Stephen, that's just so cool. I mean, I'm just so honored that you do that. So pass the word along. AFR Talk is the app. AFR Talk. You can listen anywhere in any state that doesn't have a, a station. Uh, or when you're overseas, wherever you go, you can listen. This is from um, uh, Debbie, Deborah, and she is from Salem, and she says, I have found now for many months that senators and reps in D.C. will not answer their phones. That's what we're, I'm hearing this from everyone. Not even in their home states, not even Republican ones. They want you to send an email, but we all know how easy it is for emails to either go unnoticed or become spam. I'd like to know what's going on, but unfortunately, I know. They don't want to be faced with their constituents' complaints about the mess they have made of this country. They don't care about us, none of them. They are winning, and there doesn't seem to be anything we can do about it. Debbie, I would agree with you that we're running out of time to do anything about it, and I don't. I totally agree with your diagnosis. Um, we had in this race uh, that I've covered a lot uh, with Daniel Webster, who's an incumbent Republican, against the uh, up, upstart Laura Loomer. People were trying to call Daniel Webster's office. He's, a, he's supposedly a Christian, conservative. Uh, no one would answer the phone. And they couldn't register any kind of complaints about this. That's one of the complaints of the district. Uh, So, yeah, so that's happening. And you're exactly right. So what can you do? Find the people that you trust. Like I just uh, interviewed Ron Johnson. Find candidates, as many as you can, that you you would like to help. You can uh, not only give money, because some of you maybe have limited resources, but money, they do need it. They do need money because the left is just funding in the millions of the bad candidates. But also, I think if you contact their campaign offices through that website, you could volunteer to, to call, make phone calls. You could fly, you could drive there and you know knock on doors. Uh, there are things you can do to help candidates, and I know that's extraordinary. Oh, that's a lot more than we've ever had to do before. But we're kind of at that place. And so, um, so don't give up yet. When it's time to give up, I'll tell you. I will. 
when I think it's too late and past the due date when there's nothing we can do, I will tell you. I've been saying that for years, and I mean it. All right, so um, so there you go. That's a couple of the email. Now, I had so much news to tell you, so let me see if I can make my way through this as quickly as possible. This is really gut punch to me. Former Attorney General Bill Barr was on Fox yesterday, and he's declaring that the DOJ is very close to having evidence to indict Trump. And, of course, he's uh, removed his support of Donald Trump. He's been doing a lot of damaging things to Donald Trump. There's a lot of discussion about that. He says the government has very strong evidence of what it really needs to determine whether charges are appropriate, which is government documents were taken. Classified information was taken and not handled appropriately, and they're looking into it, and there is some evidence to suggest that they were deceived. So this is Attorney General Barr, who couldn't say anything about election the election fraud before the election. Do you remember that? Didn't want to talk about that because he didn't want to sway the election, but certainly he did sway the election because he finally did come out and say that he didn't see any evidence that there was election fraud. I just want to make a point. Attorney General Barr has the right instincts. He said some wonderful things, uh, very winsome. I've, I enjoyed a lot of the, sp- the talks that he made, the things that he said. But this reminds me of another famous person in U.S. history, and that would be that would be Benedict Arnold. Benedict Arnold was a, a, a general who Washington loved. He won so many battles. He was so admired uh, by uh, other soldiers. He just was fearless. He did so many things to win the revolution. And then at the end, because he was concerned about his own future, his own reputation, uh, his, his whatever you want to call it, fill in the blanks, he stabbed General Washington in the back. He actually almost lost West Point to the British because of his betrayal of not only George Washington, because he was mad that he wasn't getting the promotion he thought he should have, uh, and we almost lost the war because of Benedict Arnold, who at one time, in a rewind a few years prior, had been a, a, a champion for the country. This is how I see William Barr. He has stabbed Donald Trump in the back, and he has stabbed this country in the back. He is a traitor to Americans who love this country. Uh, Harmeet Dillon tweeted this. She said, we've heard more from Bill Barr in the last week as he humps his book than we did during the COVID civil rights crisis or the multi-state coordinated election irregularities of 2020 or regarding Biden family corruption. What a disappointment. He's more than a disappointment. He's a traitor. And you can, by the way, all of us, you can lose a lifetime of integrity and service whether it's Christian service or public service, by uh, one action at the end of your life. I think of, um, you know, I think of uh, uh, Solomon, who was supposed to be the wisest man in the world, and he was, but he became an absolute fool. He married foreign women, and he took in foreign gods, and actually allowed Ashtaroths and, you know, whatever they they built to worship these gods. Uh, in Israel, he died a, a man who was the opposite of what he started out to be. Don't let that happen to you. That's what Bill Barr has just done. This is a huge story, and I should have had them on this morning. Becky Gerritsen is the executive director of Alabama Eagle Forum, and this is what happened just yesterday. Are you ready? Eagle Forum was part of uh, the movement to pass what's called the Alabama Vulnerable Child Compassion and Protection Act. Uh, it passed by both houses and was signed by uh, the governor 
I'm not sure the timeline because it's not on this sheet here, but not long ago. I think it took three years to get it signed. And, and what it did is it, it protects kids from having their, uh, their, their, uh, to be, I don't exactly know. It's just in general, it's kids that are being encouraged to change their gender. It stopped that. Okay. That's why it's the Alabama Vulnerable Child Compassion and Protection Act. So, um, as soon as that passed, uh, groups, I think it was the ACLU and other groups, uh, uh, filed a lawsuit against the law, said it was unconstitutional, but Eagle Form had nothing to do with that. But just this week, the Justice Department has now brought suit against Eagle Forum of Alabama for any part they may have had in getting this bill passed. And they've asked them for, I think it's, I believe it's five years of extensive, you should hear the list, everything they've ever said and written, any correspondence about this issue of Eagle Forum of Alabama, who are not even part of the lawsuit. The Justice Department is coming after Eagle Forum of Alabama. I have never heard anything so outrageous in my life. And so Eagle Forum yesterday filed a motion in court to quash the unprecedented uh, U.S. Department of Justice subpoena. DOJ subpoena demands all information related to Eagle Forum's constitutionally protected activities related to legislation protecting children. And so you, what you have to understand, this is going to apply to you know all of us. If, if they prevail in this, they can come after American Family Association, a Family Research Council action, uh, you name it. You fill in the blanks, Susan B. Anthony, all of the conservative groups uh, will be, you know, prey to the Justice Department just arbitrarily bringing suit because they don't like what you're doing. There's no criminal act alleged. This is just a fishing expedition, just a way of costing Eagle Form of Alabama millions of dollars in legal fees and hours and hours and hours of trying to dig up all of the stuff they're requiring also be charged with a crime if they if they falsify or if they don't turn over everything. Uh, this is a setup to harm them. And this is what the Justice Department under Joe Biden is doing. And this is why we have to stop them. And this is why, please don't stop fighting. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, take some action. Find someone that you believe in and help them financially. Walk the polls. Make phone calls. Tell your friends. Do everything you can while you can. All right. And remember that our stuff is always on Getter. If you go to Sandy Rios and Getter, you can find our printed information. Uh, and uh, tomorrow you're in for a treat. Da- well, <laughs> Daniel Torowitz has this new book about what's happened with all the COVID scandal. And uh, you, you won't want to miss that. All right. So thanks for listening. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.